Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. I tried so hard. I got so far. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. I had to fall to lose it all. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. Talk about hopelessness, right? That's what hopelessness sounds like. Now, I don't know about you. I can actually relate to the hopelessness. But the question is, are we going to stay there? The question is, as followers of Jesus Christ, are we going to stay there? Look at this picture of Chester Charles Bennington. This is a real human being born on March 20th, 1976, five years after me. He's a Grammy, a winning singer and performer, and he's most known as the lead vocalist of the rock band Linkin Park, L-I-N-K-I-N. Although it was apparent Bennington had a musical gift, the vocalist experienced dark days during his youth. Throughout his years, he had remained open about being sexually abused by an older male during his adolescence. The abuse, which continued through his early teenage years, would eventually be replaced by songwriting, drug use, and alcohol abuse. Bennington and a guy named Mike Shinoda would later become Lincoln Park, which would earn its big break with the 2000 debut release of a song called Hybrid Theory. Lincoln Park spent the next two decades taking claim as one of the world's biggest and most popular rock bands thanks to the songs and album releases and Bennington's distinctive voice as well as his onstage presence alongside his counterpart who split vocal duties and rapped alongside him. Hybrid Theory, which peaked at number two on the Billboard 200, was certified 12 times platinum. Isn't that amazing? On July 20th, 2017, Bennington was found dead of suicide at age 41. Bennington's funeral took place at the South Coast Botanic Garden in Palos Verdes, one of the richest places, by the way, in America. The funeral service included a full stage of musical tributes. And I want you to listen to this epitaph. Aside from leaving behind a legacy of music, this is what the article says, that will live on forever. Bennington leaves behind six kids and his wife, Talinda and Bentley. Now, the article stops there, but it should have said, who will actually be the ones to live on forever. Sadly, Chester's music is not going to live on forever. I don't know if you realize that. The accumulation of your stuff and your accomplishments in this life will not live on forever. But you will. Your soul will. 
And here is a man, and I'm not putting him down. And if you find yourself as someone that was sexually abused, my heart breaks for you. And there are places in all of our lives where the darkness chains us to the deepest demons of the pericope of our lives. But we're going to meet a guy today, a songwriter of sorts. He was chained to the darkest wall of his life, and he wrote a song called Ephesians. And his song is a little different than the one that you just heard. His song actually, in the midst of of the broken darkness of his life, instead of, you ready? Instead of fixating on the temperature of his jail cell, he fixed his eyes on the glory of his Savior, Jesus Christ. And those are our options. Those are our only options, by the way. And you're going to find that in your life, that you can fixate on the temperature of your jail cell that you didn't create and you shouldn't have to be in, and there's somebody that ought to do something about the injustices of your life. Or you can fix your eyes on the Savior. Jesus Christ himself. And so we begin today this new series in the book of Ephesians called Faith Grind. And I don't know how much your faith is being ground down right now, but I'm in a lost season of my life. You say, what do you want us to do for you? Pray for me. See, it is not my job to be the expert on what I'm going to talk to you about. It's my job to tell you this is what God's word says. And just like you, I have to choose to believe the same stuff we're going to talk about today. And if I don't, it won't make any difference in my life. See, it doesn't matter what comes out of my mouth today. It only matters what I apply to my life tomorrow. Amen? Come on, amen. Like, it doesn't matter what we say we believe. We have to choose it. And there's a couple of things that I have discovered about getting older that are a bit of a surprise to me, Abby. The first thing is, it's surprising to me how quickly and quicker I lose my courage as an older man. I mean, my eyes come open this morning and I say to myself, Steve, where did the courage I felt for God yesterday go today? That was the first thought I had when my eyes came open. And I felt like the Lord said the same place my mercies for you yesterday went. They went for yesterday. The courage you had for God yesterday is not sufficient for today. And the mercies that God had for you yesterday are not sufficient for today. If you want the same courage you had yesterday, the Lord said, you got to ask me for the same mercies I gave you yesterday when you asked for it. Amen? Faith is not cumulative in the sense that if I I can build up a reserve and then I can get over here and I can say, you know what? I'm just going to take it easy here. No, no. You have to choose to engage the grind of faith. And see, if I choose not to believe today what I believed yesterday it won't make any difference in my life today if I only believed it yesterday. 
I have to choose to believe it today. Today. And so with that, I want to invite you to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device. I want to invite you to share the service, to be a virtual evangelist. And I have a sneaky suspicion that some of you are sitting around in a campfire somewhere. Hey, I just want to say hi to you. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy God's creation. Uh, There's nothing like the sunrises and sunsets in the fall of Colorado. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, the Apostle Paul, excuse me, the Apostle Paul writes this. This letter is from Paul. What's the first word? Chosen. 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 By the will of God. Both the prison, you ready? And the poem. You say poem. See, Paul is going to invoke a Greek word as we get into Ephesians. And he's going to say, you and I are God's poema. That's where we get the word poem. You're God's poem. And Paul is saying, listen, God is writing his song. That's what a song is, a poem. God is writing his song through your life. Through your life chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people. I'll tell you what, sometimes, man, I feel anything but holy. (laughs) I'm like, Lord, I'm glad you're a holy God because sometimes I'm not sure about myself as far as being a holy person. Who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. You know, there's two reasons why I don't want to quit on my faith. The first one is I want to be obedient and faithful to what Jesus has called me to. Do you know what the second one is? I want to hack off the devil. You say, what? He, there is nothing that angers the devil more than your faithfulness to Jesus. Nothing. And he cannot touch it. He cannot touch your faithfulness. But he will do everything he can to convince you you should. He will do everything he can to lie to you and tell you something so that you'll eventually believe a lie and you'll let go of the rope and you'll let go of your faithfulness. Listen to me. You want to hack off the devil today? Tell him you ain't quitting. Tell him you're not not phoning it in. And granted, it has to be, there has to be a greater calling than I realize. But listen, You are hacking the devil off by being faithful to the calling that God has placed on your life. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you two things. Grace, the power to endure. Peace, the mindset that's necessary to believe that his peace passes our ability to understand. Do you want peace? Or do you want understanding? Well, yes, Lord. But if you can only have one, which do you want? And there have been times in my life that the Lord has given me understanding. And I've said, Lord, enough. I want your peace. I don't want your understanding. I want your peace. I don't, I can't, 
I can't do anything about your understanding, your perspective of the situation. And so I, I want you to be God. And I want the peace that passes all understanding that guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now look at what Paul does after he introduces himself. And I just want to encourage you. I love the fact that here's a dude in a jail cell, chained to a dark wall, and he says, hey, why don't we introduce ourselves? And I don't know about you, but sometimes the pleasantries of this life, I go, you know what? Life's so difficult and so painful. Let's get past that. No, it's like, no, no. Be dignified in your humanity and keep greeting one another with these sorts of salutations. Verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with, somebody say it, what? Come on, with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now, I don't know how you grew up, but here's how I grew up. We used to sing this song. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. So that's what I did yesterday. I just started counting my blessings. Now, look at some of the blessings. How do we deal with the daily grind of the faith life? Number one, you count your spiritual blessings. So what are they? Hope. Need some hope? Yeah, ask him for some. Forgiveness. Need some forgiveness? Yeah, ask him for some. Peace? You need some? Yeah, ask him for some. Eternal life? Yeah, he'll give it to you if you ask. Freedom? Yeah, I need some freedom, Lord. Acceptance? Yeah. Love? Ask him, he'll give it to you. Grace, mercy. See, a lot of times we want to go into the stuff and the relationships, but before we go there, let's start with all that he has promised to us, and these things are for everybody. Now, there's specific blessings that he brings into our lives along the way, and I understand that based on the specific purpose for which he's called us. But there are general blessings that he has for all of us that he wants to give to us each day, day in, day out. He wants to remind us. Now, why do we get these things, these experiences, these blessings? Paul tells us because of Christ. Christ wants you to be blessed. He wants you to live a blessed life. Now, as Americans, we go, aha, we go, dollar sign, right? And that is a blessing. But there are many other blessings that God has for us as well. So what are you experiencing right now? What are you going through in your life right now? I know what I'm going through in my life right now. And let me, let me just boil it down for you. I'm in a lost season in my life. And I am really struggling to be fixated on the injustices of my life, the cumulative injustices of what I've had to deal with as a follower of Christ and as a pastor for Christ in my 52 years of existence. 
And so that, that's a real battle. And, and let me take you back to the beginning of my story. When I was born, I was born with a birth defect. And in the midst of that, I had to go to Louisville Children's Hospital in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, if you're from Kentucky, it's Louisville, okay? Louisville. And so I went to Louisville and was in the hospital off and on. And I had to be, long before COVID existed, I understood quarantine because I had to be quarantined because of my sickness. And I basically would just attract all these illnesses. And in the midst of that, I remember I was probably, I don't know, around two years of age. Uh, I remember being in this room and the, the glass was wire mesh, you know, where if there's a fire, it won't come through the glass. And, and I remember looking through that glass and I remember seeing my mom, she's crying on the other side. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm all alone, all alone. Nobody can help me. I'm all alone. And that was the beginning of the pericope, the narrative, the story of my life. And so I have to fight against that. And I have to, I have to fight those emotions. And I have to fight those fears. And I have to, you know, sometimes it's like, uh, what is wrong with me right now? Why, aren't, why doesn't this bother me? Why, why doesn't this bother me? And, and what I've learned is we build up resistance to the pain in our lives. And we, we basically build these mechanisms to help us survive. And for me, I'm a survivor, you know. I'm wearing my favorite shirt today. I only wear it about once a year. And it, we played Jars of Clay music when we started this church. It was one of the two bands uh, that we played. You go, what was the other one? Hootie and the Blowfish, believe it or not. Yes, that was the other one, all right. I loved Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> Those are the good old days. Look at Ephesians 1.4. Even before he made the world. Huh. So that means before humans were made. Okay. Even before he breathed life into a human being. Here's what he decided. God loved us and chose us. Wow. Now, Ephesians 1, along with Romans 9 and a few other passages in the Bible, are where we as Christians like to argue. Calvinism and Arminianism and to God. I go, listen, do you want to talk about what God knows? Yes, everything. Do you want to talk about what we know? Yes, very little. Okay, so whatever perspective you want to take. Paul's going to take in Ephesians 1, God's perspective. And he's going to tell us that God is sovereign and has been forever and nothing is evolving. It was his plan before he even started all of this. And so God has intentionality to every breath of your life. That's how involved he is. And in the midst of it, he loved us and he chose us. Well, that's great, but here's the problem. There's things I don't like about my life. There is terminal pain and terminal sorrow and terminal suffering that I can't do anything about. 
Let me give you an example. March 6, 1992 is my best example. My mother killed by a drunk driver. She's been dead for 31 years. And she's, unless God resurrects her, she's going to be dead until I die, at least in this life. And so that part of my story doesn't get to change. And everybody has parts of their story that don't get to change. Now, here are the extremes. The extremes are, well, I don't tired of praying to God because, you know, I'm just everything's just terminal. No, no, no. No, 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 no. God does miracles. God does miracles. God does miracles. My fourth day of break this year, I think it was June 28th, 29th, somewhere in there, whatever Thursday was, the last Thursday of June. I did a memorial service right here for Susie Bennett, wonderful woman of God, Jim Bennett's, uh, her husband, wonderful man of God, longtime Vanguardians. I went home and remember all that rain we got in May and June? Wait, it's still been raining, right? <laughs> it's just been raining all year. I mean, there's been more grass on my little farm than, than ever in the 18 years we've lived there. I haven't fed a bell of hay in three months. Praise God. It's expensive. Okay. Well, in the fourth day, I, 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 was, I decided, you know what? One of the problems with it raining a lot and the cows standing there eating hay is they, you ready? They poop a lot. And it gets real nasty. Okay. And so I realized I was going to have to dig out my barnyard and kind of throw it around the property and let it kind of dry out, and then I would grade it back down. Well, one thing that cows do uh, is they don't like flies, by the way, and we know that Beelzebub is the lord of the flies, by the way. And uh, yes, I believe the devil may have created flies. But anyway, uh, I had to dig this out, and the cows had dug a hole to throw dirt upon them because it kind of gives them a sheen. And when the flies try to bite them, it kind of helps protect them. They're pretty smart like that. Well, I didn't see. I had this dump load of poo, which probably weighed between 500 to 1,000 pounds. I don't know for sure, but it was thick. And I'm going to dump it over this fence. And, and when I pull up, the tractor tire goes into this hole, the right tractor tire and the tractor starts to turn over. And I think to myself, huh, this is how it's going to end. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've ever turned a tractor over before. I had not. This was a new experience. And uh, I'm like, huh, this is how it's going to end. And in a split second, um, I was like, well, I should probably turn the tractor off. And I turned the tractor off, and that's the last thing I remember. And when I came to, um, I've been nursing a pretty intense knot on my right ankle. It's not near as big as it used to be. Has not affected my jump shot. Okay, I just want you to know that. All right, all right. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Josh. And I did something to my shoulder, and I couldn't really lift my shoulder my whole break, so that was a lot of fun. And... And so I, I get up, and I'm like staggering out. And I'd taken my shirt off because it was so hot. And I'm walking out of the barnyard. And Journey Grace had gone to get us uh, peach milkshakes from Chick-fil-A. Okay, you ready? Uh, those are really good. And she pulls up, and she's like, what happened? And I just point to the tractor that had turned over. 
And of course, I didn't tell my wife for a few days, okay? She didn't see it, and I got it turned back over. Uh, and I won't go into all the details of that. But I did call my dad and go, hey, I just want to let you know, I just turned the tractor over on top of me. I said, have you ever done that? He's like, nope. <laughs> and then he said, are you okay? And, you know, that's now the third summer in a row the devil's tried to kill me, okay? Hit an elk last year in Yellowstone. The year before that, I fell backwards off of a pile of rock on a beach. And, and then the year before that, my wife was almost killed by a horse riding accident, flight for life to Memorial Hospital. So we've had four really good summers. And I tell you all this because the suffering of this life can make you jaded to the point that your sarcasm takes over your existence. And adulting is a lot more difficult than it looked and and life is a lot more painful than you can perceive in other people's lives. Like you look at your life and you feel all your pain. You don't feel everybody else's pain unless you know about it. And I just want you to understand, I've not met anybody that doesn't have a painful life. Not met anybody. Everybody is going through pain, some of it chronic, some of it terminal, and it's not going to change in this life. But God does miracles. And I ain't no ghost. I was supposed to have died with that birth defect. Didn't die. Probably should have died on that crazy tractor. Didn't die. Like, and I can go on and on and on. And at some point, you've got to decide, I'm chosen. I'm ordained. I got purpose. And the devil is not taking my faithfulness from me. Amen? Amen? Even before the world, God loved us. He chose us. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Thank you. Thank you, Dad. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and he gave him great pleasure. So here's spiritual blessing one. He seeks us. You ever notice in marriage, if you're married, you know, when you're in a bad mood, your spouse doesn't want to be around you? but you probably don't want them to be around you, right? And God seeks you. Oh, you're in a bad mood, Kelly. Well, I want to spend some time with you. What? I don't want to spend time with you, Lord. I'm in a bad mood. The Lord says, no, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. He seeks us. God's not just for us. God didn't just choose us. He's chasing after us. He's after us. And he, in the circumstances of your life, wants you to welcome him into them, him into them, whatever it is. You go, well, here, Lord, I don't want anybody to have to be in this. I don't want to be in this. And the Lord says, but I want to be in it with you. I want to be in it with you. Ephesians 1, 6. So we praise God for the wonderful kindness. Yeah that he's poured out on us because we belong to his dearly loved son. He's so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom through the blood of his son and our sins are forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Spiritual blessing too. He bought us. You go, well, that sounds kind of demeaning. Oh, no. No, he paid a great price for you. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body. Pray to paid a great price for you, the blood of Jesus. And see, the enemy just doesn't understand it. He's like, well, Jesus died for these whatever. He loves them. They love him. Satan doesn't understand this. Do you realize Satan's never sacrificed anything for anyone? Do you realize that voice of selfishness and that voice that drives you to push everybody away, that's the devil trying to get you to join him in his his self-destructive nature. Spiritual blessing number three, he forgives us. What is it in your life that you think he can't forgive? Because that's the very thing that he is creating circumstances in your life to show you that he can Ephesians 1.8, he has showered his kindness on us. Along with all wisdom and understanding, here's spiritual blessing number four. He speaks to us. He talks to us. He talks to us. Hey, I, I highly encourage you to talk out loud to God. I highly encourage you to talk out loud to God like you talk to other people. You say, how come? He'll talk back. He'll put thoughts in your head and you go, whoa, I never thought about that before. I've never imagined that before. See, the moment you start talking to him, he talks back. Spiritual blessing for you, he speaks to us. When I count my blessings, I become more ready to accept principle number two, and that is accept God's secret plan. Now, sometimes I get tired of his plan being secret. You say, what do you mean? Well, I'd just like for him to put it all together for me. I don't really enjoy looking through that glass dimly. I just want to know like how it's all going to fit together. And as I said to the Lord this morning, I get, could, you tell, could you give me a date on that one? Even if you tell me it ain't gonna, I'm not going to know until I'm dead, could you just tell me that? And I'll be okay with that. And I was trying to cut a deal with the Lord this morning. Lord, I'll be faithful to you. Just tell me if you're not going to do this in my lifetime. You say, what do you do? It felt like all he did was smile. And I felt like the Lord said, I could tell you, but I'm not going to. And I said, how come? He said, because that ain't faith. That ain't faith. And he said, and if you want to please me, faith is what pleases me. There is no substitute for it. Ephesians 1.9, God's secret plan has now been revealed to us. It's a plan centered on Christ. It was designed long ago according to oh, his good pleasure. Not my good pleasure. No, his good pleasure. And if I'll accept his plan based on his good pleasure, I will feel his pleasure for his plan in my own life. But that's painful. Secret number one, God designed your life for his pleasure. This summer I read a book by Viktor Frankl who survived the, one of the concentration camps in World War II and he wrote a book called uh, The Meaning of Life, Search for the Meaning of Life. And 
He said, you know, there's two keys to, to living a meaningful life. The first one is don't try to rid yourself of that terminal pain that you can't do anything about. Accept it. Accept it. The quicker you accept the terminal pain of your life, the quicker you get back to living out the purpose for which you were created. Okay. And he said, and the second thing is, if you want to live a meaningful life, live your purpose, not for the purpose of pleasure, but to fulfill your purpose. And if you will live your life to fulfill your purpose, you will experience the pleasure. But if you make pleasure the focus of your life, you will hijack the purpose of your life and destroy your life through your pleasure. He said, if you know your why, you can endure any how. If you know your why, you can endure any how. God designed your life for his pleasure. Ephesians 1.10, and this is his plan. What's his plan? Here it is. At the right time, based on whose opinion? God's. He will bring everything together. Whoa. Under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Secret number two, God designed your life for him to be in charge of it. Huh. That explains a lot, doesn't it? God designed your life for him to be in charge of it. So whenever I think I'm in charge, disastrous. It's disastrous. And see, that's where, that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm on secret number two. I've been there for a while now. Ephesians 1.11, furthermore, because of Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us, when? From the beginning. And all things happened just as he decided long ago. Huh. Secret number three, God designed your life just as he wanted it to be. Wow. Wow. So principle three, live God's purpose for his plan. Live God's purpose for his plan, the plan being your life. So this is your purpose, God. Okay. Verse 12, God's purpose was that we who were the first to trust in Christ should praise our glorious God. Look for every opportunity to praise him. He gives us over and over and over again that opportunity. Look at verse 13. And now you also have heard the truth. The good news that's, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit of God's guarantee that He will give us everything He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. This is just one more reason for us to praise 
our glorious God. See, the irony of life is we won't be happy until we praise God for the life he's given us. And then the moment we start praising God for the life he's given us, all of a sudden our perspective is transformed. See, Paul tells us in this passage that he has a great inheritance for us. Do you understand that the most beautiful collision of your life is going to occur at your death? Because at your death, God is going to reconcile all the unreconcilable things of your life to glory forever. Like it's going to blow your mind. Talk about a kaleidoscope. It's going to blow your mind. The moment you die, God is going to reconcile his eternal plan in that moment to your eternal future. And you will see it. All of it. All of it. All of it. You'll see all the secondary and third dairy and fourth dairy effect. All of it. All of it. All of it. Every single bit of it. But yet right here, We all have our own jail cell. And the temperature is irritating. And the chains are abrasive. And the food lacks luster. And in the midst of it, if you only take the temperature of your jail cell, then the totality of your life is based on the circumstances of your existence. And you will fixate on your jail cell. But if you look up and fixate on the eyes of the glorious one who gave himself for you, in that moment, in that moment, there will be an extravagant love released to you in the circumstances of your existence. And there will be a hope restored to you that exceeds your capacity to understand. And that is what we call the peace that passes all understanding. Amen? Amen. Come on, amen? amen? This glorious song is going to give us hope in the hopeless jail cells of our life. I'm excited about this series. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.